This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. With RJ Bell out, here's Bernie Fratto. We are only 12 days from the 2021 NFL Draft, and, well, the sports calendar is starting to look very normal again. But it's not the only thing we'll talk about tonight. You know, this is a very eclectic show. It's designed to please even the most discriminating sports fan, the most dedicated fanatic, the king of the hill, the cream of the crop. Well, of course, and anybody who wants to listen, you're all welcome. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas. Easy for me to say. The Weekend Adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, I will analyze just why it is so hard to evaluate the quarterback position as it pertains to the NFL draft. You know, 44% of first-round draft choices are out of the league within four years. And By the way, quarterbacks drafted in the last 20 years, cumulatively, their winning percentage is 29%. Very sobering. We're going to discuss. Uh, in about 15 minutes, we're going to be joined by Larry Sorensen, former 10-year major leaguer and 25-year broadcaster. We're going to talk about all the newfangled rule changes and whether or not they'll survive after this season. And I'm going to bring up a sore subject. Yes, the CBA expires this year, and the union and the owners, they're far apart. No one's talking about it. It's the elephant in the room that no one's addressing, but we will. And Larry's uh, very straightforward, very honest. He's always had his finger on the pulse. Later on, after uh, Bruin Finley's update, well, we're going to talk about this whole Justin Fields-Mac Jones saga from the betting market standpoint. I'm going to analyze through, through the prism of what's best for the 49ers and give this some perspective and and maybe even try to get inside Kyle Shanahan's brain a little bit. But we're going to share some things I don't think you're hearing in a lot of other shows. Of course, we close down the show tonight with Mackinac Sports, as always. Plenty of data to stretch your mind like a pretzel. That'll be coming up after Bruin Finley's update. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight out of Vegas. The pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Rocco Baldelli, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. By the way, special guest in studio tonight, Spencer Ostrowski. He's the co-host of Out of Line with Brian Finley right here in Las Vegas on Sunday mornings. All right, you know, it's not going to be long until, well, soon. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, well, just to name a few, they'll be on their way to their new NFL homes, and they'll be taking with them the hopes and dreams, as well as the best laid plans of franchises who pay their scouting and personnel directors to predict the future and project who might become their eventual savior. But as we know all too often, the NFL draft, it's not an exact science and it's not an exact art. In fact, in the last 50 years, a total of 44 quarterbacks were drafted either in the number one, number two, or number three slot overall, yet only two of them actually went on to win a Super Bowl with the team who originally drafted them. One of, if not the most, vital positions in all of sports is quarterback. But finding the right one has proven to be very difficult. See, year after year, top picks, well, they fail to pan out. Team scouting departments carry contrasting opinions on their quarterback rankings, and 
Very few have really had great success once they're drafted. In fact, in the past 20 years, top five draft picks at quarterback have won only one Super Bowl. So what exactly is it that makes the process of drafting a quarterback so difficult? Well, there's a handful of factors that go into it. But what has become so overlooked nowadays is that the quarterback surrounding cast in college can matter when it comes to the evaluation and projecting in the future. Obviously, a full quarterback evaluation has a lot to do with their talent and statistics over their college career, but many analysts and some teams ignore many other elements, such as the offense they ran in college, the coaching staff, the amount of NFL talent they were surrounded with when making these evaluations. For tonight, let's just use the 2020 draft, which is already in the books, and to make my case. Take Jordan Love, for example. Well, his production last year fell off a cliff, just 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions, compared to in 2019 when he had 30 TDs and six interceptions the year before. Now, many people merely glance at his stats in his 2019 film and conclude he's not as talented as the other quarterback prospects. What the hell is Green Bay doing? But these evaluators feel to recognize the effect of a whole new coaching staff and a whole new offensive system, which is implemented after the former head coach Matt Wells left for Texas Tech after 2018. This in addition to Love losing his only other NFL-caliber teammate in Darwin Williams to the Chiefs. That, you know, contributed to a not-great senior campaign. Similarly, some college offenses are, simply put, not ideal schematically to best display a quarterback's abilities. Last year, uh, or his senior year, the University of Oregon's Justin Herbert did not receive as much hype as the other quarterbacks, partially because he was, in a, he was in an offense that didn't ask him to do a lot. He couldn't make a lot happen based on the plays they were calling. Now, Chris Sims, who's an NFL analyst, he highlights the fact saying, quote, he came right out and said he thought that Justin Herbert played in a horrible offense in Oregon taught by an offensive line coach. And that follows up with a comparison to other quarterback prospects, like, you know, like Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa, who both had offensive coordinators with NFL experience in schemes. Now, when you evaluated those quarterbacks, you can't solely assess them just on the offense they played. You have to project, again, how their traits will project to the next level. Although Herbert may have had lesser stats and been drafted lower than Tagovailoa, Herbert's elite arm and size, as well as his ceiling, is why I think pretty clearly he was a lot more successful than Tagovailoa last year. Now, the talent level of prospects and their supporting cast is another factor that must go into a complete evaluation. The year before, two of the top QB prospects, again, Burrow and Tagovailoa, well, they had as many weapons as you've ever seen in a college offense ever. Burrow and LSU, when all is said and done, they will have had at least three first-round skill players in that offense, while Tua's 2019 offense was totally stacked to wide receiver. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and obviously coming this year, Jalen Wada and Devontae Smith, they all played with Tua. Now, despite those quarterbacks having such elite talent, Burrow, well, he did much better than Tua. Burrow was simply more efficient in terms of completion percentage and yards attempt, and he was carving up teams with a pro-style offense that was put together by a Panthers offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. This is why he was at LSU. Now, that's not to say Tua might not have been successful in Joe Brady's offense, but Tua, I think, faced a, t a tougher learning curve in the league 
uh, because he didn't have the advantage of playing for an offensive mind like Joe Brady. Now, other stats that point to to uh, Burrow having future success, which I thought he was doing very well before he got hurt, he had incredibly gaudy numbers because they passed a lot on first down. Almost 14 yards per attempt. That's incredible. That shows you're keeping your eyes downfield. He completed Burrow, this is at LSU, completed 83% of his passes on first down. For comparison, all other first-round quarterbacks, even if you go back five years and there were 20 of them in the first round, averaged seven yards per attempt, significantly lower. So it's clear Brady and LSU trusted Burrow on first down, and Burrow absolutely made the most of it. And while Tua had great success at the University of Alabama, I think you could argue that you could attribute more of it to his four superstar receivers who could just torch defenses. Two was 72% of his yards came after the catch, which was the highest percentage in college football in 2019. By the way, contrast that with my guy, Mac Jones, 65% of his yards came through the air. Now, on the flip side, again, I want to go back to last year because these are guys already drafted, and they've been in, you've seen them in the NFL. Not all the quarterbacks that you've seen come into the NFL in the last year had the luxury of having NFL talent around them. The year before, the New York Giants, well, they shocked the world by selecting Daniel Jones from Duke, sixth overall. There were concerns about the level of competition he faced at Duke, and many doubted that pick from the get-go. And I know he's still a work in progress, and he played some solid games. He's clearly displayed he might be able to be the future for the Giants. Again, one of the reasons many were so not, were not so impressed with Jones when he came out of Duke, he had a very pedestrian 60% completion rate, and he only had a 22-9 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Again, wasn't necessarily surrounded with great talent. Again, that Duke team had no real NFL stars to help Jones, and he had to make the most of the situation he was given. And when quarterbacks don't have the best talent around them, well, they often try to do too much and take more risks. Now, one of the things I didn't like hearing about Daniel Jones was competition. I don't go for that baloney. Okay, they said the same thing about Jerry Rice coming out of Mississippi Valley State back in 83. Said the same thing about Steve McNair coming out of Alcorn State. Oh, yeah. How about Josh Allen? Said the same thing about him. He was another key example. Now, at Wyoming, he had to make more plays with his legs and force balls into tighter windows to give his team a chance to win. And in turn, he finished with, well, a fair amount of picks and not a great completion percentage. And those are the elements scouts and analysts are wary of sometimes in grading quarterback prospects. But guess what? He got into a coaching staff in Buffalo that knew how to help get him to his ceiling. Look, quarterbacks have the lowest hit rate for a reason. They're very tough to scout. They're even tougher to project in an NFL offense. However, if you just go back to the past few years and analyze, the best way to find successful quarterbacks requires uh, evaluating their talent, their individual talent, their environment, whether that be their coaching, their level of competition, or their players around them, and, of course, a little luck. Remember, some guy named Tom Brady wasn't drafted until the sixth round. Whatever happened to that guy anyway? All right. Coming up, uh, we're going to have a gentleman on who has his finger on the pulse of baseball as well as anybody I've ever known. Ten-year major leaguer, 25-year broadcaster. You're going to listen to this conversation. His name is Larry Sorensen. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 
2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show I always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Let's welcome in a gentleman, 10-year major leaguer, 25 years in the broadcast booth, has his finger on the pulse of the game as well as anybody I've ever ever known. Say hello to Larry Sorensen. Larry, thanks for coming on again tonight. Uh, Bernie, always great to talk to you. Here's the thing. Uh, we've got so much to get to. I've really got to dive into it because there were a lot of rule changes uh, this year, and they might be for this year only, and I'll segue into that. The point is, is you're able to answer these from the, through the prism of a player if you were still playing today or just from the union in general and baseball in general. I want to start with seven-inning doubleheaders. How do you feel about that? Well, I think the thing that we really have to look at is why they're doing it. It's a couple of reasons. Number one, the length of the day at the ballpark for the people. They want to try to make it as convenient as possible. Number two, what it does to your pitching staff, I think, is one of the largest reasons. And when you start planning for what's going to happen, not just that day, but also the next series and the series after that, and what it does to your pitching staff, I believe that's why they do it. I can't say that I'm a big fan of it, but I think that those are the reasons that they do it. And that's fair. Where I throw a flag, Larry, is I don't know that it's helping the game. You were a big innings eater. If they did this back in 78, you might have had 40 complete games. <laughs> you just took the ball when they gave, when they offered it to you anytime you could because somebody was looking to take your job. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of the seven-inning doubleheaders, but I understand the reasoning behind why they're trying to do it. Fair enough. All right, let's talk about the three batter minimum for pitchers or they must finish the inning. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think that there are other ways to quicken the game. I, w I was watching a game yesterday, and when you see a reliever standing in the bullpen ready to go and the catcher goes out to the mound, catcher talks to the pitcher, catcher walks back behind the plate, takes as long as he can, gets down in his crouch, gets ready to give a sign, time's called, and the pitching coach or the manager takes his time walking them out. In the meantime, the guy in the bullpen is warmed up, ready to go, standing there at the gate, waiting for them to make the change. Now we're talking about three or four more minutes in the game while, they, while they're delaying to give him time to warm up. I just don't understand why we waste time on things like that. So I think there are other ways to do it uh, besides. You know, let's look around. Let's take a look at everything. You know, Larry, I know that the pace of the game has been an issue for for certain fans, maybe a lot of fans, for a long time. So I get that. You know, a player doesn't need to step in and out of the box. You don't need to look at your third base coach in the first inning if no one's on base, maybe, but I don't know why. I get there are things of this nature, and I know they have a pitch clock, which I've never seen enforced. And, oh, by the way, advertising and commercial breaks are a lot longer, so that contributes to the length of the game. I just, again, feel that I'm not sure if this is helping the game. This is one that I, I gave it a chance, but so I'm, not, I'm not buying it now. And that's putting a man on second base to start the extra innings. Didn't work in the Padres-Dodgers game last night. So what are your thoughts on that? 
You know, we're going to disagree here, Bernie. Not that we haven't disagreed in the past uh, 40 years or however long it's been that we've known each other, but uh, since our kids played together when they were 10. But I'll tell you what, I like it. I've been to some minor league. I was at some minor league games in Kissimmee, Florida, uh, when the Pirates were there, and they and they first started with it a few years back, and it just changes the complexion of the extra inning games. It puts you on the edge of your seat from the get go, and when you look at the strategies that re- that result in uh, the games being ended, there's like five different ways you can go to do it, and in all five of them, the percentages come out differently. I think it makes for more excitement. I think it stops a lot of those 15-inning games where you burn through things and have non-pitchers pitching in the games, and it doesn't bother me as much. And you know, Bernie, I'm old school. You know that. But uh, this particular rule, man, it gets me, even when I'm watching on TV, it gets me on the edge of my seat in extra innings. Uh, We're talking with Larry Why don't you like it? I'm going to get to that. I, 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 everybody, we're talking to Larry Sorensen, 10-year major leaguer, 25-year broadcaster. And I, I should preface this, Larry, by saying we talked about this last year before they implemented it. You, you'd mentioned you'd seen it in the Eastern League and said, you know, it's pretty damn exciting. Keep an open mind. And the first few times I saw it, I go, you know what? It is pretty exciting. It, you, you look at the game through a different prism. And Branch Rickey once wrote a book. And said, if you if you get a man to second base with nobody out, he's going to score 60% of the time. Now they're just going to give you a man on second base. Having observed it a few times, and how everyone in baseball is precious, you know that, uh, I just don't like that it's – I feel like it's artificial, so I'll do consent to you that it, it makes for a little bit more excitement. I don't like the essence of it. I don't think it makes the game better if you're trying to win games and you got – Jobs on the line and pennants on the line. And again, if you're if you're the pitcher of record that day, you know, or you, I guess you did some, uh, you came out of the pen a little bit toward the end of your career. Do you really want to start with a guy on second base? Well, I, I think it, it's just different. I, it's just different. And I think pitcher of record is another thing that's going to go by the wayside before too long, especially, you know, as we're expecting pitchers to do less and less. I think that we'll either change what it takes to get a win as a starting pitcher. I don't think it'll be five innings anymore or they'll do away with it completely, but that's a whole other topic. That's right. The thing is, is it's, it's fair because both teams get the same advantage. You know, both teams have the opportunity, which is much better than the football situation where essentially a coin flip dictates what happens uh, at the end of a game when you go into overtime. But yeah. I think that, I think that the fact that if you get into a situation where you don't have somebody that can bunt, that's coming to the plate. It takes away that offensive part of the game and takes away some of the strategies. So I think there are different strategies based on the personnel that you have. And if you really delve into it, like you like to do, I know you like to do it. You like to manage along with the manager. You know, you have to think about who's doing what at what time, who my runner is, what kind of speed he has, you know, can he score from second? Is he a base to base guy? Uh, Might it be, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I think that uh, it gets games over in a in a more uh, rapid time, so that you don't burn through as many pitchers, which is going to screw up your pitching staff the next day and the next day as well. And so, from that standpoint, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I'm learning a little new, some new things about you here tonight. But by the way, only uh, 14% of games go uh, into extra innings anyway. But We'll have to talk about this so again. We, another. So we just spent four minutes for nothing. 
Well, but those extra inning games could be the difference between going to the playoffs and not, and especially since this year there's no expanded playoff instead of uh, like there was last year, five playoff teams instead of seven. So here's one I think, Larry, you might have a little stronger opinion on. In the Atlantic League, they're going to 61 feet, six inches. And I'm saying, okay, as a hitter, I get to see the ball a foot longer. Uh, you had a pretty good back foot slider, Larry. What's that going to do to your slider when you're back a foot further? <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot of debate about it going on right now. And, and as you well know, I'm involved in the analytics industry with a, a baseball product, the Pitch Logic Baseball. Yes. And we're debating it internally, what it's going to do with our numbers. I don't think it's going to make that much difference in the way we measure everything. And there's a huge controversy and debate over whether it's going to help the hitters or not. I personally think it's a big advantage for the hitters that they've got that much longer to see the oh, ball. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of people that think that pitchers are going to be able to make the ball move even more, and so it's going to be harder to hit. And I think the only way we're going to find out is test it and see. And that's what the Atlantic League is uh, going to be doing the second part of the season, and that's why we're trying to work with the Atlantic League to get them to use our baseball to see what we can do. Right, and, and uh, I was always hoping they would never mess with 60 feet, 6 inches, or 90 feet beside, uh, between the bases. You know, but be the... Go ahead. Bernie, I saw, I saw another interesting thing. I saw the fact that physically, athletes, the pitcher, pitcher's average are, is about 4 inches taller than it was about 17 years ago. So pitchers well, you know, are 4 you know... inches closer to home plate when they release the ball at the huge velocities that they release the ball. And that makes a huge difference as well. You know, I'll keep an open mind. I mean, in 1893, the mile was 55 feet, right? So whatever, the game evolves. Let's talk about your baseball. It's very revolutionary. You know, one of my favorite things, Larry, to do, you and I used to go out and play a little long toss. I enjoyed that. Yeah. You know, I told the guys at the station here, I play a little JV ball as a senior. I don't know if they believe me, uh, but we used to play a little long toss. So I, I thought I had pretty good carry on the ball, didn't I? You did, absolutely did. Here's where I'm going with that. I like to play long toss with your new P5 ball. Tell about the talk about the concept in this project you got, Larry. I think it's really cool. Yeah, Pitch Logic by F5 Sports uh, is a baseball that has sensors inside, a series of sensors on a circuit board along with a battery charger uh, and a battery inside the baseball. And with with our baseball, not only do you get all the different spin metrics that are available with all the other technologies out there with Rapsodo, with uh, Hawkeye, with the TrackMan. But you all, we also have a feature with long toss where you can actually measure indoors. So if you're north of the Mason-Dixon line and you can't play in the wintertime or if you're in a rainy place and you, your guys can't get outside, you can throw the ball into an elevated net and the baseball will actually tell you what your release angle was and you throw the ball 10 or 15 feet, and it tells you how far, how far the ball would have carried. It also gives you the time, the time that the ball is in the air from the time it released at your fingertips because that's when it's measured. As soon as the ball leaves your fingertips is when we measure the velocity, and it goes every millisecond. It's feeding information back to the your telephone via Bluetooth, and it tells you how long the ball was in the air as well. So you actually can have long toss indoors, uh, as well as outdoors, which is a pretty advantageous thing to do if you if you haven't been able to do it in the past. Uh, as usual, we never have enough time. Larry, uh, give them the website they can go to to find out about your product because you, you are an aspiring 
ball player and you'd like to play at the next level, I think this is a tool that can really help people get there. Sure. PitchLogic.com is the website. It's available on Amazon as well. You can use an Android or, uh, or a uh, iOS device. Use your smart device. We've got PitchLogic Pro out, which gives you video capture so you can hook up your numbers to your video if you want to send it to recruiting coordinators or to uh, or put it on Instagram. There's a share feature. Really easy and accessible, and you can uh, analyze your delivery in real time as you're throwing the baseball. Always good stuff, Larry. Let's get you on later. We didn't even get to the CBA stuff. I think there's going to be a work stoppage, but it's a conversation for another day. I'm with you on that. There's some big fights coming up, Bernie. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks so much, Larry. Really appreciate it. That is Larry Sorensen, 10-year major leaguer, retired nine guys in a row in the 78 All-Star Game, 25-year broadcaster, including with the Tigers and the Baseball Network and all that good stuff. Always enjoy talking baseball with Larry Sorensen. Coming up, we're going to talk about this Mac Jones, Justin Fields situation from the prism of the 49ers and the betting markets in Vegas and what's happened in the last 48 hours and all that good stuff. But first, well, let's go to the man. You might have heard he runs with a dangerous crowd and he might be <laughs> laughing a bit too loud, but that never hurt no one. Let's go to Bruin Finley with the latest. Oh, thank you so much, Bernie. Did you get that line off a of popsicle stick? I mean, perhaps. Uh, the, the Spurs, without key players, <laughs> including leading scorer DeMar DeRozan, skirt by the Suns, 111-85. Phoenix bricked their first eight attempts from the three-point line and struggled from deep all game. The Celtics taint uh, Steph Curry 47-point performance as the Celts impale the Warriors 119 to 114. Curry went 11 of 19 from the land of three. Jason Tatum with 44 points. The Grizzlies fly swat the Bucks 128 to 115. Memphis saw six of its players reach double digits, and Giannis Antetokounmpo had 28 points. The Lakers push away the Jazz 127 to 115 in overtime. Andre Drummond was a tear inside with 27 points and eight rebounds. Donovan Mitchell missed out with an ankle injury. Russell Westbrook binging on a seventh straight triple-double as the Wizards dismember the Pistons 121-100. to In baseball, Mookie Betts closes out the game with a diving catch to end a Padres scoring chance in the ninth inning. To upstage the pods, two zip LA's Clayton Kershaw went six innings on the mound, two hits and eight strikeouts, while the Rockies split a doubleheader with the Mets. Colorado winning the second part 7-2. The Astros maneuver the Mariners 1-0 to dissolve a six-game losing streak. And the Brewers pinch the Pirates 7-1. Milwaukee's Brett Anderson, seven frames. He worked one run. It was unearned and three strikeouts. It sounds like a stat line from Bernie Fratto in his baseball playing days as we send it back to the man who runs Vegas, our man, Big Burn. Those are the dulcet tones of the silver tongue devil, Bruin Finley. Bruin Finley. That's because the UCLA Bruins are his team. Right? That is true. We got some good recruits, Bernie, coming off that final four run. I think a national championship, knock on wood, might be in the near future. You could be right. Rack it up. All right. Speaking of winning... Uh, the 49ers were incredibly close not that long ago. Everybody forgets they had a 10-point lead over the Kansas City Chiefs with about five minutes to go, and you know what happened next. The long and the short of it is I think they got a fabulous head coach in, in Kyle Shanahan, and one of the hot topics that has been just blazing the airwaves the last few days is who will the 49ers draft number three overall? 
since they made a concerted effort to move up to number three. Now, let's be clear. The 49ers moved up to number three so they could have a choice. People don't have to believe that, but they're in the catbird seat. So I really think they were motivated to because they very much have their eye on Mac Jones, and I'm going to explain why in a second. And I give it a 70% chance they draft Mac Jones. Could I be wrong? Sure, but I give it 70%. 25% that they draft Justin Fields. Maybe 5% Trey Lance. Again, I've talked about this. This is an inexact science. It's an inexact art. The last 50 drafts, 44 quarterbacks were taking either first, second, or third overall. Only two of them, Peyton Manning and Troy Aikman, actually won a Super Bowl with their original team. And we all know that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch don't want to screw this up. Because back in 2017, they went into that draft and they said, oh, we were okay. We got Blaine Gabbert. We got Colin Kaepernick. Uh, and so they, they went out and grabbed C.J. Beathard out of Iowa in the third round. Nothing against that Iowa, Sam. It's just, you know, come on. They passed up on a couple guys you might have heard of, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So I don't think they want to do this again. Now, somewhere along the line, this whole narrative just got completely convoluted. When it was first mentioned that, you know, the Niners might draft Mac Jones, so, oh, how can you do that? How can you do The guy's built like a donut salesman. He's not athletic. He's this. He, he was surrounded by world-class talent. Okay, I want to tell you why. Mac Jones is a lot better than people give him credit for or the people who don't really know or they don't know what they're looking at. One of the things that Mac Jones has in his tool bag that is coveted by any offensive coordinator and head coach in the NFL and I am qualified to say this because I covered the Lions for 10 years. Recognition, that's a buzzword. The ability to process, anticipation, timing. Quarterback is a position you play with your eyes. You receive the ball. You take snapshots mentally with your eyes. You make your progressions. You distribute the ball based on what your quick reads are. Mac Jones scores very high in these areas. He's got a very good arm. His completion rate on long balls or deep balls, which is over 20 yards, was 71%. Justin Fields was also very good. He was at 67%. Somebody told me Mac Jones isn't athletic. He ran a faster 40 time than both Patrick Mahomes and Daniel Jones. Somebody told me Jan Daniel Jones is way more athletic. Really, his vertical leap was 33 inches. Daniel Jones, or check that, Mac Jones' vertical leap was 32 inches. And I don't care about any of that. Because Jones's, Mac Jones's calling card is timing. He thrives within the tempo of an offense. No one came close to Mac Jones statistically last year at Alabama on in-rhythm throws. He had a 98 passing grade, 13 yards per attempt. He had big numbers. Bottom line, recognition. He knows what he's looking at. He gets the ball where it needs to go consistently. How about versus the blitz? Again, Another indicator that recognition is Mac Jones' strength. Jones led college football in every single statistic, uh, statistical category last year when he was blitzed. He was blitzed 124 times. And in those blitz dropbacks, he threw for 1,365 yards, 18 touchdowns, 18, or check that, 18 yards per attempt, or check, 11 yards per attempt and 18 touchdowns. I'm getting too excited. Need a cold compress here. I might need to light on with some warm milk and soft music because I'm tired of people bashing Matt Jones, a guy who completed 78% of his passes at Alabama, something no one has ever done. I get it. At the end of the day, they might draft Justin Fields. Fine. But I'm just telling you that it's not that out of the question 
that they would be considering Mac Jones, and he's far better than people give him credit for. Now, one of the things that happened in the last 48 hours were the betting markets dramatically moved in a way that would indicate that it looks like the Niners are going to draft Justin Fields if you read the tea leaves based on the betting markets. But let me share something with you. First of all, I think prior to the pro day, and people say, well, why would Shanahan have a pro day with uh, Justin Fields if his mind's made up? Look, there's decorum here. They're going to have a pro day Monday with Trey Lance. I don't think he's drafting Trey Lance, but there's decorum. You want great relationships with these schools. You might need to have conversations with them. You might need information in future drafts. There's a right way to do things in a not right way, and I think Kyle Shanahan does them the right way. But the betting markets, they have their opinions too. And professional bettors employ a strategy called scalping. And scalping is what you call a short-term in-and-out strategy, and the goal is to make a smaller profit from a minor price movement. In order to successfully complete a scalp, you need to place two opposing bets against each other to guarantee a profit. Let me give you an example. On March 29th, Mac Jones was plus 175 to be the number three pick. So if you put up $1,000, that would lock in $1,750 profit if Jones is drafted number three. The night before Justin Fields had his pro day, he was as high as 225, plus 225. Then the steam came in. But if you got him, 1000 if you got him at plus 225, 1000 brought you back 2250. So now, if you did both of those things, that's it's called scalping, you've locked in profits no matter who goes number 3. If it's Jones, you've netted $750. If it's Fields, you've won 1250. I can't wait till the 29th and see what happens. I can just tell you this, if you look at Kyle Shanahan's history, he wants two things out of his quarterback. Accuracy and decision making. Okay? There are horses for courses. Justin Fields, I believe, will be a fine pro. Again, he doesn't maybe rate as high as Mac Jones in the area of read progression. I'm not bashing him. And I don't care about statistics and these goofy numbers. and people. Look, they run a pretty, a pretty simplistic offense at Ohio State. Okay, Mac Jones, uh, uh, Justin Fields drops back, makes his read, and if it's not there, he's encouraged to run. He's got the autonomy to run. They don't run the same offense he'd be running under Kyle Shanahan. Mac Jones is closer to that. Be that as it may, I'm a fan of both of them. We'll see what happens. I will just tell you that Kyle Shanahan simply wants his quarterback to run his offense, not to be a whirling dervish, improvisational freelancer. He quit in Cleveland because management wanted uh, Kyle Shanahan to start Johnny Manziel. He said, hell no, not no, hell no, and now you know why. I can't wait for the 29th, just like you. Keep an open mind. No one knows what's going to happen, but I think the probability to me suggests it's Mac Jones. And as Dennis Miller might say, of course, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. All right, coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. He'll come through tonight with a lot of good stuff, and you're going to want to hear it. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover's is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. 
We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Bruin, the Silver Tongue Devil, Finley, Chris Perfett, the man of the people, and Bo Benson in tonight for Ryan Bershinger, and the two of them form the duo that hosts the Swing Shift podcast. A must listen. Great job tonight, guys, as always. All right. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. It's that time of the week, macking on sports with our own Mackenzie Rivers. All right, here's the big reveal. Mackenzie is related to a very nice person who I've mentioned in this broadcast tonight at least 14 times. <laughs> it rhymes with Kyle Shanahan. That's right. And so what's interesting is you might have his ear, and you might be willing to give some advice to him. And I know Kyle listens to the show. Of course oh, he yes. does. Yeah, so every, every Saturday. Yeah. Without further ado, why don't you tell Kyle what you would do if you were in his shoes? Listen, Kyle. You remember Ryan Lander, 2004, us playing Madden. You told me Michael Vick, as I was winning, 49-42, zero turnovers in the game, he could be the greatest quarterback of all time. There's no way to know that, but he had all the tools, you said. I don't care who you selected number three. The odds say it might be Justin Fields. Last week it was Mac Jones' favorite. If I had to guess, I think it's Trey Lance, but I don't know. Oh! I think so. I think so. I think it's Trey Lance at five is Not my prediction. Not to cut you off, but what happens if Jimmy G gets hurt week three? You can't march Lance out there, but go ahead. That's exactly my point. What if Jimmy G gets hurt week three? You have another 30 years to coach, Kyle. Here's my thing. Let me just go on a little rant here. Tupac knew he was going to die, or at least he knew he was going to disappear around 25, 26, and posthumously sell more rap records than anyone in the history of rap. So he had a shot clock on his career. He knew he had to produce all the music he was going to produce, and he did. He recorded hundreds of songs every year, some not released until 2006, 10 years after his death. Kyle, you don't have a terminal illness. You're going to be one of the best head coaches in NFL football for 30 years. You know you have the ability, the preparation, the study, the, the relationships. You know that you're going to be there. Give yourself a chance to do amazing things. Get the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't care if it's Mac Jones, Trey Lance, whatever. Who do you want to work with in 15 years and create the greatest offense in football history? That should be your goal. I don't care if it's a 10% chance that happens and 90% chance you get fired. Bill Belichick didn't work in Cleveland. Andy Reid didn't work in Philly, but they got the greatest quarterbacks ever on their team eventually, and then it worked. It worked like gangbusters. You know, Jimmy G is actually 24-9 and nine as a starter. He's really good. They had, I think Mac Jones has a much higher ceiling than Jimmy G. When Jimmy G came out of northern Illinois, barely nobody knew him. Uh, he, he went out of Eastern Illinois. The reason I know that is oh, Eastern, I'm sorry. Thank my you. Uncle Tony Mike Romo. Yeah. went to Eastern, and so did my Uncle John. Thank John you Shannon. for correcting me. Yes. Yep. Uh, so, you know, and he told me Tony Romo was going to be great before he ever stepped on the NFL football field. Yep. So. Romo's actually a world-class athlete, but he never won anything in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and his career as a holder for extra points and field goals wasn't particularly <laughs> stuff. But I digress. <laughs> but let's get back to let's handicap this because yeah. the Niners moved up to put themselves in the catbird seat. For my money, Kyle Shan there are horses for courses, and Mac Jones fits that system. That's why I'm so vehement about this. But that's not to discount the other guys. You say it fits the system. I've what impressed me most about my cousin watching him growing up from a 2004 Bucks offensive coordinator quality assistant to what he's doing right now is his ability to adapt. I don't think he has. Oh, a okay, but okay, he has, sure he will. He'll adapt know? if he inherits something. So he got to Washington. He inherited RG three, who had his best offensive statistic year ever. He still drafted yeah. Kirk Cousins. No one was running RPOs back in 2012. Oh, yes, they, yes, they've run version of RPOs for 50 years. Yes, exactly. They, they just called it something different. They they Ask brought it. Ask Joe Namath. They 
brought it back in old style, in old form. They brought it to modern NFL. That's what they do. The Shanahan's are amazing at creating systems, taking old things and working when the opportunity is there. Anything can work. You need the opportunity to do it. I have never seen a guy, while he was an offensive coordinator, now a head coach, Use the pass to complement the run or vice versa better than Mike Shanahan. He gets linebackers off balance. So if Mac Jones can read what the defense gives him and execute Shanahan's offense, it's he's playing chess and his opponents are playing checkers. So in read on two weight. On second and eight, bootleg on third and goal, throw for a touchdown. I've seen it for okay. my whole life. It so, uh, like gun, gun to your head. I always say that. I don't really mean it literally. <laughs> so you're not going to shoot me at the end of this conversation, Barney? No, I have no plans to. <laughs> so, uh, McKenzie, in all seriousness, yeah. who, who, what's going to happen? Not what... Well, not what you think is going to happen. What's I think there's a reason why Schefter Sims talked about Jones for so much. I think they're going to entice a trader. I think they're going to trade back. At number five, select Trey Lance, wow. start Jimmy G for two years, and then unleash the greatest running back quarterback combination you've ever seen in your life. And they're going to get 20-year-old Trey Lance. Yep, and That's they're going to win two Super Bowls with Jimmy and then kick him to the curb for Trey Lance. Yes, he's only 20. He just turned 20. Oh, I think Trey Lance he's is He's two a, years younger than Mac Jones. He's so much opportunity, so much potential. I want to see it happen. Honestly, I, I do. I agree with that. I just don't think he's best for this system right here and now. But McKenzie, we'll know we'll in see. a couple weeks here, buddy. Good stuff as always. All right, I want to thank Larry Sorensen for coming on the show tonight. And that's going to do it this for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up. A man who's so cool they named an exercise after him. His name is Chris Plank. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Vegas!